stay at home on nine to five, raising your babies with joy and pride. A real ass mom, your real ass mom, taking care of business. Ooh, girl, you're resilient. Cause you're a real ass mom, a real ass mom. Welcome to the Real Mama Pod. I'm your host, Devin. And I'm your host, Kendra. We are real moms. Sharing real experiences. The, the things people don't tell you. This episode contains conversation on sensitive topics such as depression and suicide. If you or someone you know are having thoughts of suicide, please call or text the National Suicide and Crisis Lifeline at 988. Hey, Mama, hey. Hey, Mama, hey. How are you, friend? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I think That's Eli good. gave me a little um, daycare germ. Uh, my boys just picked <laughs> up something too, so I hope I don't get it. But if this is your first time listening, I'm your host, Devin. And I'm your host, Kendra. Welcome to the Real Mama Pod. Yes, welcome. And we have a returning guest. Um, so if you've been kicking it at the Real Mama Pod <laughs> for quite some time, uh, you remember our guest Gia Amari Sneed uh, from episode 31, where we talked about her journey through motherhood and navigating being a widow. Um, and we got so much feedback from her episode. We thought it was only right to bring her back again for a part two. Um, because Gia uh, received a lot of feedback as well. And although people loved her episode, they want to know more about the not so pretty parts of what she's been through. Mm -hmm. And she came to us and was like, let's do this. Like, I'm ready to share this part of my journey as well. Um, and we were more than happy to, you know, discuss that and ask some questions that she's comfortable with and hoping that her story can change others and help others as well. I think G is our first returning guest aside yeah. from our husbands, of course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they always want to hear a child. They think it's their podcast. Right. They say share it with them. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, welcome so back. Welcome Gia. back Gia. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here, and uh, I think it's necessary. So thanks for having me. Yeah, of course, of course, of course. So, friend, what you got for Gia? Uh, okay. So, uh, <laughs> so Gia's last episode was really good, um, like Devin shared, and we talked about, like, the beauty of your marriage, Gia, but we didn't really talk about, you know, some of the tougher times and tougher sides of yeah. – going through essentially what your family experienced. So how, like, what did, I guess, the, the tougher or, or uglier side of things look like? And how did you, you know, support your husband when he was going through, you know, everything that he was going through? Yeah, um, thanks for the question, Kendra. I I definitely, to Devin's first opening up, wanted to come back because people have um, reached out and it's probably always going to be, I feel like, my role to make sure that people understood where Troy was and who he was and what he was to me because there's such this um, dark light and there's only one way that we look at suicide. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and I'm not saying that anybody should look at it any differently. I'm just sharing my story and how I see light in what mine was. And so that was kind of that first episode. But I also want people to understand that it's not a decision that I think anybody should make. And so I think it's important to, like you ladies have said, share um, the not so good maybe ins and outs of it. Um, so with Troy, um, everybody's mental illness is different. Um, him specifically, it's hereditary. Um, his father battled the disease of depression and anxiety along with other people um, on his paternal and also his maternal side. Um, and so when we're talking about chemical imbalances, um, it really is something that only medication can kind of help you through coupled with the right type of um, psychologist and therapy and a lot of work for the rest of your life, right? It's like any other disease, it's nothing that just goes away. And so Troy would have these ups and downs. It was like riding a roller coaster. He would have these times where things were great. Like we were functioning, he was functioning like normal, like anybody else would. And then something would happen and it wasn't always something that we could pinpoint. Um, but it would start with like something to me that would be really small and he was incapable of making a decision. So for example, um, Troy was an engineer by profession. And so he did a lot of Excel. And so I remember one time he comes home and he was trying to put something in the system and whatever he put in the spreadsheet, like derailed the entire program. And he was working with um, contracting with another company. So it was kind of his responsibility. He had a total meltdown. And literally the fix was taking one thing out. And Troy was so intelligent that it was a quick fix for him. But just that mistake derailed him. And so what that looked like, what that looked like when he has that type of anxiety is an inability to connect. Um, a lot of times, you know, he wants to isolate and remove himself, me from me, the kids, family, friends, um, anger, temper is a big thing. Like Troy, when I first met Troy, I was like, oh God, I'll never be with him. His temper is crazy. Um, not realizing that it was linked to mental illness at the time. Um, but very bad temper, um, lash out verbally, like things that would be said, um, not necessarily in attack to me, but just um, aggressive verbally. I don't know um, how else to really explain it. Um, it showed up in like we could be sitting in the kitchen and I would hear Arden or Trip like, daddy daddy and they'd have to say it several times before he could kind of zone in and be like oh hey baby you know and so he he could turn it off but um i'm trying to think of an analogy it's kind of like having a huge valve and you have to get like the huge set of pliers to turn it in order to turn it off and on it, it's like that like i can turn it off but it takes a lot mm. um and over time, the valve rusts um, and you have to replace it. And so I think, you know, day to day, it truly is sometimes being a caregiver, mm -hmm. like having to come in 
and gauge the situation, right? A lot of it was putting, putting aside how I might've felt for the day. I could have had a rough day at work. The kids could have been on my nerves, but I didn't have the freedom all the time to come in and say, hey, this is what's going on. Mm-hmm. Every day, my first, my first response had to be to check in on him and to see where he was mentally and decide in that moment what I was going to give to him and what I was going to withhold um, and keep to myself. And then depending on where he was, depended on, to be honest with you, what the night looked like. You know, what we're eating, I, people laugh all the time, but we ate Sunday, well, I would cook on Sunday. So Monday through Thursday, we ate the same thing because Troy needed structure. Mm-hmm. So Sunday nights, he was like, you cook on Sundays, Monday through Thursday, we eat that same meal. And then Saturdays and Sundays is when we eat out. And Saturdays and Sundays was typically the same thing. It was Chipotle, Chick-fil-A, hot wings. Like Mm -hmm. he needed that because he also had OCD, Um, a very mild case, but um, he had that as well. And that comes from people that battle anxiety need to feel a sense of control. They have to have things in order um, in order to reduce the angst, right, from the day-to-day things. And so it's a really loaded question, Kendra. There's a lot... um, that it looked like, but just a little bit of insight. I think the overarching is really having to treat your, my spouse almost like a child. Like I've got to take a step back and understand where you are. And as they call gentle parenting, I've got the gentle wife, mm-hmm. right? And I've got to understand before I go into, oh my God. So I held in a lot. There was a lot that I was unable to share and unable to get soothing of um, because I needed to take care of him. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> wow. You said a lot there. You said a lot. So yeah. with that, did you ever feel any guilt because he was battling depression? Did you feel like you had to go in hiding, not be on social media as much or not live your mm-hmm. life to the fullest because your husband was struggling with depression and needed so much consistency? Absolutely. A thousand percent. Um, one of my close friends, and if she watches this, she'd be like, oh, she's talking about me. Uh, one of my close friends, um, shared with me shortly after Troy's passing, she was like, I'm just happy that you get to get back to your regular self. Mm. And somebody would have, someone else probably would have been like, well, that was inappropriate. Like, why would she say that? But she knows me and I've always been an open book. Mm -hmm. I've always been someone that shares a lot about my life because, transparency to me is important to get through day to day. Like I'm not someone that covets or or keeps in what's going on. Good, bad, ugly, doesn't matter. Um, But I needed to respect the fact that Troy was battling something that he didn't want people to know about. Mm -hmm. And Troy was such a strong force and a strong person. And even though weak in a way, very strong-minded, very strong, um, opinion, very opinionated. Um, and so I thought at the time, the right thing to do was to honor that as a wife, mm-hmm. he wants me to keep this quiet. So I'm going to, and if y'all know, Troy was not on Instagram, Twitter. If you look now through his Facebook, you'll see how often or how rarely he posts. 
it would be a child's birthday, my birthday. I don't even think he posts for his own birthday um, or like something random about voting, but he was never on social media um, because he was afraid of it coming out. He didn't want people to know that it was something that he battled. And I think that's part of the illness mm -hmm. is that people that have it are unwilling to talk about it. And there is a certain amount of healing in that, mm -hmm. right? It's people knowing that this is something you battle so you can call your friend and say, hey, I'm not gonna be able to make that because I'm having a panic attack. Mm -hmm. You know, he couldn't do that. And so I always had to shelter and I'd be like, oh, we can't go. And I would have to make up an excuse. Mm -hmm. Or if people invited us places, I just wouldn't even bring Troy mm -hmm. as an invite. So there were so many things I wanted to do, so many things I wanted to be a part of, so many trips I wanted to take. Um, and I just, I couldn't, yeah. I, I couldn't, it was to me, it was, it literally for me, it was life and death, or we're going to go on this trip and he's going to spaz out. Right. And what that looks like is we'll be out on this trip and he'll be in the room the whole time. Or, you know, for people that have maybe been out with us, um, before we kind of had to seclude ourselves in some ways, or you'll see moments where we go missing, you know, because I'm having to deal with his anxiety. And so sometimes better to just stay in our little bowl versus expose the world to this and cause, you know, like a rash, like it's our, the disease is already there. And now I'm having an outbreak because I'm in a social setting. Um, and so just, yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot that I was unable to do a lot of me that I had to tuck away. Yeah. Um, but also I was happy to do it. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, but yeah. So knowing you and knowing that you're so social, how did that impact you? Um, I think my friends that are my friends are always that and that's not mm -hmm. going to change. And Troy had these key friends of mine that he was like, OK, I like those. We can be around them. I'm comfortable with them. Mm -hmm. But as you said, Devin, my circle is huge because I've got close friends and then I got a bunch of friends and then I got a whole lot of people that I call friends that probably very loosely use the mm -hmm. word. Um, and so I think even now I'm trying to reform friendships and reform relationships because they went absent. They were missing. I wasn't giving in to anybody. People were unable to sew into me because I just wasn't, it was me and my, me and my husband and my kids. Okay. And at the time, to be honest with you, I didn't feel like I was missing anything. It wasn't like I was living this life where I was like, oh, my God, I just wish because I did have those core friends that if I wanted or needed to, Troy didn't have an issue with it. But um, I think right now it's just trying to rebuild some friendships. It's trying to figure out where I fit mm -hmm. because going from a wife to a single mom and all of my friends are married now, like I was, you know, or in these serious relationships, and now I'm the single one, it's the most uncomfortable space ever. Mm -hmm. I think um, I probably cry twice a week because I think there are things that I normally would be invited to that I'm not anymore. Mm -hmm. And that's a big thing for me because I'm very social. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Sorry, y'all. No, it's don't okay. have to apologize. Okay. Don't apologize. Um, just, it's just different. You know, it's totally different. It's I'm not used to not being in that circle. Yeah. And to be on the outside looking in and watching people enjoy that love and that friendship and the trips and the events and the 
but at the same time, I kind of don't want to be there because I'm like, I'm going to be the odd one and everybody's going to be, you know, together and it's just going to be me. And I've had friends that have lived that life, you know, that have been along with me while I was married. And so it's interesting. It's very humbling to now be in that space and probably feel some of the things that they were feeling um, at some point. So it's definitely been an adjustment, adjustment to try to figure out the new normal, try to re- rebuild relationships. And to be honest, it's less about the relationships and more about redefining me, you know, mm-hmm. figuring out what situations that I'm comfortable in, not comfortable in. And I've always been a relationship person. So I think just me in general, it's just uncomfortable for me to be solo. Um, so it's just weird. It's just a really weird space. Yeah, fair. Um, yeah. So Gia, when we think about, because I know Troy kept, you know, a lot of this within you all's family. Um, yeah. But when we talk or think about his support system aside from you, do you feel like he had the proper supports and resources in place? Or like, what are your thoughts around his support, essentially? Um. So yes and no. Yes in that he was doing everything that he could. So Troy was on medication, changed medication, changed dosages, um, had a psychologist and a psychiatrist. So he was doing the work. He had been in programs. Um, Troy was very honest with me. So wherein we kept it from the world, he didn't keep it from me. Um, So I think there was support in that and him being very open and honest with what he battled day to day with me. Um, his immediate family knew as far as his mom, his dad, and I think his siblings were slightly aware, maybe not the extent of it. Um, I think probably his biggest support was his dad, um, because his dad battled, right? So I think mental illness is one of the hardest things to articulate. Like you can explain to somebody what it feels like to hit your pinky toe on the side of the bed, right? Like everybody knows that feeling. They're like, oh, I know exactly what you mean. But you can't really explain anxiety to a lot of people. You can't explain the fact that I have everything that I want, but I feel so low. Like everybody's not going to get that. Um, Doctors don't even get it. Let's be clear. You know, we don't even have a machine that you can put someone that's battling mental illness in and say, oh, the imbalance is here. They need a little bit of it. Like we, there's nothing. Mm -hmm. So his dad was a huge support for him because they could talk on terms. I think that they both understood. Um, and his dad could help kind of balance him out and say, okay, I know you feel this way, but it gets better tomorrow. Or I was there last week, but here I am now. Um, and so when he lost that, I really think that that was a huge, um, proponent of his death, but that would be the yes. Um, His mom was aware as well, and I think she played a huge role in supporting him and getting him through. Um, Where I say no is just the lack of understanding of mental illness in the world in general Mm -hmm. and in the Black community, Mm -hmm. right? So I still think on the family side of things that we pushed it off. We didn't take it seriously early enough. I remember having a conversation with one of his family members years ago. And I was like, hey, you know, 
Troy's talking about a life insurance policy and we were fairly young. We hadn't had trip yet. And um, I was like, you know, and he hasn't, he was in a dark place. He was having one of his low episodes and it was really concerning to me because um, I'm, I'm a worrier by nature. So I was like, uh-uh, this is not a good sign. And the family member looked at me and was like, oh, he ain't going to do nothing. And this is a very close family member. Um, and so it was that. It, it was the negligence of us taking every single sign seriously. Mm-hmm. And I'm guilty of that because we have, we have overcome so many times, in and out, in and out. So when you see the lows, you're like, okay, it's low. Let's buckle up. But we're not going to wreck the car. You know, this isn't going to be a fatal accident because we've driven like this before. So we're just going to do what we do. We're going to strap it in and we're going to drive a little slower because the road is wet, you know, and then you don't take it serious enough to say, hey, let's off the road today. Um, so know in that I don't think as a collective, the support that he had, we took it serious consistently. Now, I will say at the end, I took it very seriously, knew where Troy was, and I think we did everything we could to try to prevent what happened. Um, I think the support should have been larger. Again, I think we should have brought in more friends to let them know mm-hmm. what was going on so that Troy didn't feel like he had to hide. Yeah. Um, and I also think that families should have I'll say this. I think the black community needs to be there for each other, period. Mm-hmm. Because I would say probably eight times out of 10, people that battle mental illness are not going to tell you what they're dealing with. Yep. Not because they all want to hide, but they don't know how to explain it. Yeah. Or they would rather just be the light. You know, when, uh, what uh twitch when twitch passed and it was all of this you know every what are the comments oh he was a light when he walked in the room he always he was always smiling he was this he was that sometimes that's the space they'd rather be in Mm -hmm. and then they go in their their comfort zone at home and they let it all out so you're not gonna know and so this idea of checking on your strong friend checking on your friend that isn't strong just check on everybody just check on everybody because you truly do not know. And so, no, he didn't have the support he needed because as a community, and I'm, I am, I'm putting this on everybody. As a community, we just don't check on each other enough mm-hmm. in a way that is non-self-serving, yeah. right? A lot of times we'll pick up the phone and call a friend that's like, hey, girl, how you doing? But the truth is I got a lot going on in person and I need to get this off my chest. Yeah, we don't do enough of just, hey, how are you today? How is your mental? Like, that's a question we can ask anybody. How are you mentally? What triggered you today? What triggered you last week? Right? What are the things that what are the things that you wish you could do that you feel like you can't? Mm -hmm. And what's getting in the way? You know, having those type of conversations with the people in our life um more often than not and it doesn't have to be i'm calling because you're ill or i need to make sure i'm i just need to have a genuine conversation with you we need to be able to be open with each other about what's going on good bad ugly and different yeah i think we were starting to see a shift in the discussion of mental health in the black community we're definitely not Mm -hmm. where we need to be but 
there we we're yeah. starting to have those conversations specifically men um i know women like we we've kind of already started these conversations but mm-hmm. you're starting to see more black men have those tough conversations about where are you mentally yeah. just checking on you you know um mm-hmm. so w- thank you for for sharing that um and yeah. we got work to do simple families are y'all looking for some fun to get into this summer if so we have the perfect trip for yes kt travel more is back with another great trip yes july 13th through july 16th you and your family can pack up and go where friend to punta cana yes so hit up stephanie for all the details but this trip is very affordable and it fits a family of four absolutely and guess what you will be in punta cana for four days and three nights under the sunny weather the breeze the ocean all the fun so make sure you check out kt traveling more for more details sign up today before it's too late (laughs) absolutely a lot of work to do so much work to do so then that brings me to my next question and you kind of touched on it a little bit but would you change anything um if you could and if you could, what would you change if you wanted to? Yeah. Uh, somebody asked me yesterday a similar question, and it was more framed, would I want him here, mm-hmm. given the situation? I would always want him here. It's a very selfish answer because I want Troy. I want Troy for my children. Mm-hmm. They deserve that. But for those that knew Troy, he was not the, the temper, the aggression, um, those things felt that. And I would rather have been the person to feel that because I knew him. People didn't often see that side of Troy. Troy was a, I know people all the time were like, oh, they wouldn't harm a fly. Troy would definitely harm a fly. <laughs> but he was a good person. Like he had a good heart. Like Troy would, people, he was paying people's electricity bills and buying groceries and taking care of people's kids, even though he was mentally suffering Mm -hmm. and finance had a lot to do with it because he's engineer. Everything was about money. And we've never wanted for anything. We've never been without, but that's just how his mind functioned. But he would be looking at the account, like, how are we going to make X, Y, and Z happen, but at the same time paying a, a stranger's bills? Um, and so I say that to say he was a, a really good person and an amazing husband, as I talked about in the la- on the last session, and an even better father. And so I would not want him here like that he didn't deserve what he had and what he battled i know we all have things to carry and we don't get to choose what we battle but i would have wished for something different for him like a different disease a different illness um i don't know a different set of cards um because i think he was just too good for that um so i would want him here but not in that condition and so I'm grateful for his, his no, him no longer having to suffer. Um, 
would I personally change anything? Um, so I had the opportunity and I think it was all by God's plan that the day before Troy passed away, I intercepted what I believe was him going to commit the act. Um, there were some routine things that he typically did that he did not do. And he tried to leave the house quietly. And I ended up being on his tail because I knew where he was. Like I knew where he was mentally. So we track each other. You know, we have access to where our locations are. So he wasn't answering the phone. And so I ended up catching up with him in the car and being able to get him back to the house. And, you know, in those last moments, I was able to love on him. And typically, I, I'll be honest, I, my patience was thin. You know, it wasn't like I was just this person that was, oh, my God, he's suffering and I'm just here. No, there were times I was like, look, this is hard. You got to get it together. Like, figure it out, you know. And so I thank God that he gave me a patience I don't think I've ever had in that last week where I was just very loving. And I don't know where that came from. You know, like, baby, I've got you. I'm going to be here for you. Whatever you need. You know, I'm not going anywhere. Like I needed him to have the reassurance that no matter where you are, I'm going to be here. And I think God gave that to me because I, I I would be sitting here like I yelled at him and I'm so and I'm living with that. Right. That doubt, that that guilt that in his last moments I wasn't kind and loving. And so I don't carry that. Um but the fact that that next day it happened and I was able to intercept the day before or intercede the day before, I think was God's way of telling me, look, I had a plan. I knew how long Troy was supposed to be here. I knew when his last breath would be taken and there's nothing that you could have done about it. Because I gave you the, I'm, I'm trying to show you, right? I give you that to live in. And I think if you have a deep relationship with whoever you believe in spiritually, those types of things will be revealed for you. And that's my belief is that there was going to be nothing that I could do, whether it was that day that Troy took his last breath, or if I had interceded that day in two years from now, it was the outcome. Right. There was nothing that I could have done um, to change things. The only thing that I would have done differently throughout my my relationship with Troy was to be more honest with people around us about what he battled. Mm. That's it. I think I would have shared more with them because I hate to see their grief. I hate to see them surround and wonder what they could have done you know um that's hard to live with and I think had they had known more they would be better or further along in their healing for sure so that's probably the only thing I would change um, did he That's share so with selfless. any any friends at all or was it literally just kept between of course you and him and his 
parents and, and close siblings and close family? Um, he had, I want to say he probably talked to maybe three close friends. But when I say talk to, you know how men are like, yeah. it's not this in-depth conversation that we're having. And I'm sharing the ins and outs once a week. These are friends that probably knew, hey, Troy takes medication for depression. Yeah. Or Troy is, you know, has anxiety but not the depths of it. If there was any friend, there might be one that I can think of mm-hmm. um, that may have known, but I couldn't tell you what the the depths of it were. Yeah. So, Gia, I want to check on you and, and just, you know, mm-hmm. how has or, or did in that moment, how did this experience impact you mentally? Uh, so... I shared on the last podcast that I've always been somebody that's been resilient, right? Or that can get through things. Um, I don't care what type of death it is. When you have death of, I think in comparison, I'll say a child, a partner, um, or a parent. I think those are probably the most tragic losses you can have and I'd say a parent at maybe a younger age you know once we get older it's really sad but we we know it's coming right Mm -hmm. um it changes you forever so for me death is a part of everything and it's 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 very morbid like I'm used to I have a positive outlook on life but death is so intertwined in that. Like I've, I have learned to, or I'm teaching myself subconsciously how to prepare. And this is going to sound really bad, but how to prepare for the death of a child, how to prepare for something tragic happening to a parent or a best friend, because once you lose something that huge in your life, you understand how quickly and how easily it happens. And so to think that you're untouchable or to think that these things won't happen and then to look and to see how his mom lost her husband and then her son within less than a year, that that's people's lives. People experience that. You know, we're seeing school shootings all the time. Um, you know, you walk in a grocery store and you don't know if it's your last day. And so... Wherein those things were in the back of my mind, they're in the forefront now. And I think that's what grief and losing someone does to you. So I'm learning in my head to really think about um, how we don't get people say we get people on borrowed time, right? Like we don't get to decide how long we get to have people in our life. And so I'm kind of like preparing myself, like everybody's temporary, like nobody's going to be here forever. And so it makes it so hard to go into relationships. You know, I'm nervous about, I mean, I could meet somebody, fall in love and you're gone tomorrow. You know, um, I'm constantly like my phone will ring and I'm, I'm like shaking depending on who's on the phone. Like, what is the news? Like, what has happened? And it's normally nothing, you know, like, hey, it's spam. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> and I'm, I've been worked up about something that's nothing. Um, 
it has, I have less patience for um, things that I think I had. I've always tried to meet people where they are. And I've always been able to accept, let's just say in friendships, like this is this type of friend and I'm okay with that. And I'm just not going to get anything from them, but I know what I provide for them and that's fine. I'm in a space now where I think I am on that front. Like I, I can't have people around me that don't see me because at any moment I could break down. I could go out to eat and hear a song and I'm done. You know, I can get in my car, like, everything around me is Troy. Everything. There's there's no getting away from that. And so the triggers are forever. And so if I have people in my life who are around me that don't understand that, that can't be compassionate, that, to be honest, when I call you, if you don't check on me first, like, I'm just like, I can't. And so my tolerance for bullshit to be quite honest is very very low and I think death changes that like there's no time for I think there's a, a a healthy balance of being able to have fakeness in your life I don't care what you say everybody has to be fake at some point and you got to be around it because everybody puts on a face either to get through and survive to get to the next level whatever it is and so I think there's a healthy acceptance of that I don't have any of that anymore and that's something that I'm trying to slowly get back to. But I'm like, oh, I can't do that. No, I don't. And so I'm, I can be short. And so there, there's a lot. But I would say maybe those are two of the biggest things that I'm noticing in myself mm-hmm. um, about how it's changed me. I also have gained weight because <laughs> I look for <laughs> comfort in a lot of things. And so I'm sure I also want to share this, um, ladies, because recently I've had a lot of people reach out to me that either have contemplated suicide or have a family member that is suicidal. And so a lot of times the idea is that if I leave here, everybody's going to be okay. Like I'm the problem and you guys are going to be fine. Just let me go. That is a thousand percent not accurate so for anybody that's listening let me be let me be the testimony the mouthpiece whatever you need to hear that it is not okay for you to leave it will not be okay the people that love you will not be okay right I am looking for comfort in any any place I can find it thank god I don't have um an addictive personality because I could easily see how this could drive someone to drugs for sure. I have drank more than I've ever drank in my life. I go out to eat y'all. No lie. I've always been a foodie, but I will order three entrees just because it makes me feel good. And I just need to feel good because if I can't feel good, then it's pain. There is no gray area. I don't get to operate in gray anymore. I'm either in extreme pain or I'm, I'm, I'm okay. And so it is, it is completely life altering. I told my mom yesterday and I'll, I'll end the question with this. I told her yesterday, I said, I don't think I'll ever live a life of happiness. I don't think I'll have that ever again. I think that I'll have moments. So I have moments where, oh, I'm happy right now in this. I'm okay today. That was beautiful. But just a life 
I don't think that's possible. I don't. There's always a void. There's always a hole. We love you, Gia. We love you. Um, so anyone who may excuse me, I'm sorry. Um I didn't mean to make y'all cry. <laughs> it's okay. Um it's okay to let the tears out. And usually I'm not the crier, but <laughs> it's okay. Um but for anyone if who you make Kendra cry, I know then <laughs> if you make this girl cry. <laughs> if you make me she cry, let then, nobody see her cry, um, and then you're crying on a video. I know. Um, yeah, we got it on record. First, <laughs> um, that just really it touched me. Um, but if there's anyone, Gia, who may you know, still be going through their process of accepting that their partner is no longer here and they're having to navigate life and just figure it out. Like, what what advice would you give to that person? Um, I would say you have to start with being open to it. And if you're not open to it, don't don't try to push yourself. Um, I think in the beginning I did like I was like look things were bad and this is a bad situation so I'm gonna rush into I'm okay and that didn't prove to be the best option so I think take your time and taking your time doesn't mean that you can't try to enjoy life because where I shared that you know I don't think I'll ever have full-out happiness I'm also not not in pursuit of it, right? So I, I still want to be happy. I still desire that. I just don't see it. I don't see how it's going to happen. And I'm, I'm hopeful and prayerful that God will amaze me like he always does, right? And I'll, I'll be here once you guys are like live and, you know, your podcast is everything and everybody's trying to get in. I'm going to be knocking on y'all's door like, hey, I got to tell y'all. Because that last one, I said I wouldn't, but here I am. You know, like, I'm hoping that that is the outcome. So I, I think take your time and then be open to it. I think sometimes when you lose, you close off. And it's like, uh-uh. Like, you're not going to let anybody in. You're not even going to let yourself be happy. And that's one thing I'm proud of myself for is I'm, I'm going to let the love in. I want the light to shine. I'm open to it. Invite me to the things. I'm coming. It's uncomfortable, but I'm coming. You know, um, ask me on the date. I'm going to, I'm probably going to go unless you just a fool. Like I'm going to go because I've got to do all of these things to get to where I would like to be. I'm not going to get there being in a depressed state. I'm not going to get there thinking about or fantasizing something that is no longer. Um, and so I think once she or he can get there, then you owe it to yourself to gradually start opening the door for those things or those people or those circumstances to enter your life um, so that you can get to that next chapter. That was really good advice, Gia. I'm still trying to gather myself um, 
from the last <laughs> y'all I'm a mess question. I'm a mess over here I'm sorry friend you're definitely <laughs> it's okay friend. trying to hang in there for me Kendra you gotta hold it together for Devin what's I know. happening usually I'm the one that's like I can just hold it together like I might have a tear mm-hmm. that's just sitting here to ready to drop but i won't let it because i just somebody got to hold it together but i just i couldn't um and i'm actually i'm okay with that um but gia you know that we love you we admire your you and who you are um as a mother as a wife as a person and you know we got you girl a hundred percent i know a hundred percent. I'm still coming that. to Houston. I need to too. get my travel together, but I'll be there Come soon. Come on, girl. We got space. Come on. <laughs> I know. <laughs> we got space. Oh, wow. Thank you. Thank you for this. Um, yeah. I knew I was going to cry. I didn't know when it was going to come, but mm-hmm. you did amazing. Um, and Thank I'm you. sure people can find value in your truth. I know mm-hmm. it's not easy for you to sit here and share the not so pretty parts. Um, yeah. It takes a lot of bravery. It so does. for you to do yeah. that in the hopes that it can at least just touch one person, it's just outstanding to me. That's it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but we got you no matter what, you, anything we can do to help. Um, and I'm looking for that village too. Like who in Houston that's trying to just be out, you know, and yeah. hang out and do things, you know, I'm mm-hmm. finding some people to connect you with, you know, that is my little niche. So yeah. <laughs> just tell them to keep inviting me because half yeah. of the time I'll be like, yeah, I can't make it, yeah. you know, because of the yeah. kids, but it's not because I don't want to go. It's yeah. just, hey, I got the kids or this is going on or, you know what? I'm just tired or mentally yeah. drained. So. Yeah, and I think that's the struggle sometimes, even just being moms in general, you know, not being able to do the things or not getting invited mm-hmm. because yeah. people just automatically X you out because you're a mom. And it's like, yeah. no, I'm still lit. <laughs> yeah, I, <still laughs> I can't go all the time, yeah. but, you know, I still like to have a good time. If I can make exactly. it, I'm going to make it. But invite me. Don't just exclude me out because you think I can't make right. it. Let me tell yeah. you I can't. Right. Let me look yeah. at my schedule. Let me look at my calendar, see if I can pencil you in. Right. So. Yeah. Or let me decide how I'm grieving. Like mm-hmm. people think they get it. Yeah. You know, oh, she's in a she's in a dark place or she's dealing with a lot. I'll tell you what I'm dealing with. Mm-hmm. Invite me to the party. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I'll just be there next month. my own parties now. Will you? I will. I'll be there for um my my other best friend is pregnant. So she her I'll be there for her baby shower. I will hit you up. Do hit me up. Girl, come have a glass of wine. (laughs) (laughs) Or we can go out and order three entrees. However you want to do it. Listen, I'm the the person. Look, the last time I visited Gia, we was definitely in them Houston streets. So you better be packing sneakers, okay? Oh, Girl, we were on the way, one way on the highway. And I was like, hold on, I got a text message. <laughs> I, I love it. Houston's a good time. Yeah, it is a good time. We had a great time. I can't wait to go back to visit her. Y'all, guess what? We found the secret. <laughs> we found the secret. If you are a mama... Or a woman in general, and you are struggling with your libido, we have found the trick. She O has done the job. We have been more engaged intimately with our husbands. 
We have had all the fun. And when I tell y'all the fun, we have had the fun. And guess what? We don't have to put towards so much energy because this has done the trick. And if y'all don't believe us, check out the reviews. Yep. Like, check check the link in our bio. (laughs) And use code MAMA, all caps, for extra discounts. But order it today. (laughs) That's all I got to say. Today. Today. And like we said, if you don't trust us, read the reviews. So with all that talk, we need some mama juice. I'm not drinking. Me either. But we do, what, what, what we drinking? Just let us know. <laughs> so right now I'm actually <laughs> drinking water. But okay. I, I did um, curate a drink for Gia. And I actually changed the name of the drink mid-conversation. Okay. So originally, um, Gia's drink in her first episode was called Choosing Happiness. So mm-hmm. clever in quote me <laughs> said the drink is going to be called Choosing Happiness 2. <laughs> Friend. Oh, that was so good. Not, not, not. So while, when you were talking, Gia, um, and I, I believe this, you mentioned this in your last question, um, you're still in the pursuit of happiness, despite, you know, mm-hmm. where you feel you are in life right now, you're still going to pursue happiness. So mm-hmm. something clicked and was like, that's the name of the drink pursuit of happiness. Yeah. Pursuit. So I, love I like that much better. <laughs> right. Usually I name the drinks for her, but I don't know what happened no, with that. <laughs> I'm sorry, there, but it's okay. We got a drink name. Um, and y'all know my girl loves tequila. So that's mm-hmm. what we're drinking. Um, so our drink has an ounce and a half of tequila, three ounces of grapefruit juice, half an ounce of fresh lime juice, a fourth an ounce of agave. And you top it with bubbly. Mm. And that's called the pursuit of happiness. And bubbly for our mamas to be. Happy. Yeah, it right. I, it, y'all know I love a good brunch vibe drink. And that, that's just what I get. I can yeah. see that on a menu at brunch. Yeah. Um, but if you are a mama to be or you simply don't like alcohol, that's totally fine. We have a mocktail version for you. It has three ounces of grapefruit juice, a half an ounce of fresh lime juice, a fourth of an ounce of agave, and you top it with club soda. And I forgot to say the mint garment garnish well, i'm talking about garnish okay. mint garnish <laughs> yes i love me a mint garnish mm-hmm. you sure do i do and that's the pursuit of happiness y'all inspired by gia yes i love that i love that i'm gonna make yeah. that friday next friday i'm having okay. a cinco party so I'm Ooh, gonna make that is that is perfect yes that's perfect yeah. we'll send okay, you the we'll recipe make sure we get the ingredients yeah yeah. So it's time for Mama's Corner. If this is your first time listening, Mama's Corner is an opportunity to connect further with our guests and our listeners. So typically our listeners will write in, ask us a question, send us a hat, give us a drink idea. It's just an opportunity for us to connect. Sometimes we are reflective in Mama's Corner. And so I felt like it was more appropriate to be reflective than to ask a question for Mama's Corner. So I have an additional question for Gia. And um, I'm on my journey with um, spirituality, religion, Christianity, just trying to really get closer to God, um, practice gratitude. Um, My husband recently just got baptized, getting the kids involved. And um, I just want to know, has your relationship with God changed? Are you upset with him? Mm -hmm. 
are you finding the gratitude? Are you, you know, practicing Christianity like you once were before? I know you said you one of God's favorite, and I would have to agree. Um, so I want to know how you feel and how's your relationship? Um, it 1000% has brought me closer to God. Um, and I think when we think about Christianity, uh, spirituality, a lot of times we think about it very in a linear way. Mm -hmm. Um, what church do you go to? What religion, you know, Mm -hmm. what religion do you practice? Um, I grew up in church. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I was a vacation Bible school, Bible study, two (laughs) services on Sunday and Sunday school. Like, yeah. And so I have found this relation that my relationship with God has nothing to do with any of those formalities. Mm -hmm. And it's the conversations that I have in my head with him, Mm -hmm. you know, and sometimes if you are a believer, you understand those conversations you're having in your head and not with yourself. Like there was, there was him. Right. And so he is my best friend for real. That's not present because I've talked to him about everything. Right. Um, and it is the reason that I'm able to have a light or be in pursuit of happiness because I understand that God has a plan and it's better than any plan that I could put together. And so as you are navigating life with a newly baptized husband, I think that is amazing. Oh my gosh. And as you bring your children along on the journey, I think it's about what is your relationship with God? Not how do you practice your religion, but what is your relationship? How close are you to him? Because even in the midst of tragedy, he's going to be there. There's a Bible verse that says he is, all the, all y'all Christians out there, I'm about to mess this up, okay? <laughs> I can't quote the um, Bible, so. All y'all, uh, let me say this, all y'all church folks, I'm about to mess this up. But it basically says that God is his greatest, he is, He is the greatest strength in your weakness. So when you are the weakest, that's when he's the strongest. And so for people that will go through tragedy, I think it's natural to be upset with God. But I think it's all it also shines a light on where their relationship was with God, because if it was tight, you would understand that he's even more present now. Mm. Right. I went through in November, found out that they were displacing my role. And I was like at work and I was like, oh my God, like, look, I'm a single parent. I don't have time for this. You know, like I don't have anybody to fall back on to say, hey, I'm coming home. I might not be working in two weeks. You might have to hold us together. Like it's me, you know? And so I'm devastated. I'm, I'm depressed. I'm tired. I'm like literally body in pain because this is happening. But I think after I found out the news the next day, I was like, I'm good. Like, no matter what happens, I'm good because what I know is that God will never leave me nor forsake me. Mm. And those are the conversations that we have. Like, I'm not leaving you. I've brought you this far. Don't doubt. Don't doubt. And so that would be my answer. Just practice your relationship with God, not your religion. Um, Yeah, have conversations and he'll always be there. Amen to that. That's really good to hear. Mm -hmm. Yes. Amen. We got a word too. Wow. I know. A word. Well, Gia always. <laughs> I feel like she came preaching um, in our yeah, her last <laughs> episode, which we can always yeah. appreciate a good good word. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Wow. <sighs> Thank you, Gia. Was, 
Thank y'all for having me. It was a great way to start my morning. <laughs> you will, you will Seriously. Not, well. uh, this isn't your last appearance. Yeah, or... we'll, you'll be back. Yeah, I'm coming back with a man, y'all. Yeah, we're going to talk okay. about this oh, happiness. Speaking of which, I, okay. So the last episode, we talked about a date before we end this, okay? Oh, we, we yes. gonna, and on the light note, okay? We talked about a date, I, oh. and you getting going to another city and going to like a cool restaurant and all the stuff mm-hmm. and it happened mm-hmm. so what's tea we need some details listen i've never been one of those that you gotta manifest it but i mm-hmm. do believe in what the word says which is you speak things into existence mm-hmm. so i haven't i haven't gotten my trip out of town randomly so okay. hello somebody okay. fix it listen um, sir if you're still around i did <laughs> get my diamond in the dark yes I got my and that was so it was such a cool experience. I think it happened shortly thereafter um, the podcast. So I, I have very special people and a special person around me. Mm-hmm. Um, but baby steps, you know, yeah. I'm not ready for commitment to one person. Um, I am open to getting to know. I won't even say dating. I am open to getting to know a lot of people because I'm getting to know me mm. again. Right. And so I can't say that I want to be with one person knowing that I don't truly know who I am in this next chapter. So we'll see. But yes, all the dates, bring them this way. (laughs) All right. That's a good good way to, you know, end on a light note. And so I'm happy you're dating and the young fella came through with the the date. Dying in the dark, you said, right? Yes, dying in the dark. Yeah, I saw that on Gia's stories and I was like, wait a minute. You definitely messaged me and was like, so it happened. <laughs> like, yes, girl. Yes, girl. Let yeah, me see. I'm... I need somebody to bring me about two mil. <laughs> All right, there you go. I'll let y'all know. Oh, this is great, Gia. We love you so much. Yes, thank I you love so y'all much. Too. Thank you for having me again. Yes. Of, of course, course. Of course. You are kicking it with us at the Real Mama Pod. Yes. So, friend, where can they find us on the socials? They can find us wherever they like. We are on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, Pinterest, and we are at the Real Mama Pod. If you are curious about my life, I'm at Kendra Ferg underscore on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And I'm Kendra Ferguson on Facebook. Okay. And I'm mainly on Instagram. You can follow me at DevGrace underscore. Mm-hmm. Um, check out our website if you want to know more about us. Yes. If you want some mama merch, yes. we're wearing our sweatshirts today. Yes. But we have other things on there. We also have Rich Auntie merch. So check us out. Yes. Uh, you can reach us at www.therealmamapod.com. <laughs> uh, yes. And if you are listening to us, us, of course we need your reviews rate subscribe yes. review us we're on all major platforms yes. and youtube please make sure you leave your review yes we've been working hard on our videos as you if you started with us from day one <laughs> you see it's just getting better with time so continue to be patient with us and we thank you yes and one last thing if you have something from mama's corner yes (laughs) please write my friend in mama's corner yes you can write us at mama at the real mama pod.com yep that's it all right (laughs) until until next time time. bye. bye